You're listening to the Grace Through Faith weekly podcast. For more information, go to mygtf.org. We hope you enjoy. Good morning. Y'all doing good? I don't know if you needed that worship uh, session this morning as bad as I did, but man, it was good to be in God's presence. And I think there's a, there's a couple things I want to say before we move into the message. First of all, um, last Sunday we had our annual business meeting, and I just want to give a, just a real quick testimony that I shared with those folks that came to that business meeting. It's one of our values to be transparent with our finances, and so we do that, that business meeting every year. We actually, it's in our bylaws that we have to do that. We've put that on ourselves to, to open up and, and share kind of what's happening in the money of the church and the giving. And so... One of the things, uh, as everybody knows, as even April was just saying, 2020 just have had a lot of struggles, especially um, in the church world. It's like there's, uh, as, as was said earlier, there's still states um, that are not having worship services in our country and haven't had them since March. Um, just a, a really, really odd um, piece of history that we're kind of walking through right now. And so one of the things that we, were, that we as pastors, I've, and I, talk, I spend time with other pastors, and I actually once a month do a, a coaching group, and I bring some pastors together, and we spend time together just talking about problems that are going on in the church. We encourage one another, talk about solutions and those, those types of deals. And one of the things that's got really been on pastors' radars this year is how to help our people stay connected in community while we're trying to social distance, right? And in, in, I'm going to talk about this a little bit in my message today, but I'll just kind of go there for just a second. We were not created to social distance. We have to for a second, right? There, we're, uh, that's not a knock on what we're having to do and what we're walking through. It's not a, a, a devaluing of social distancing and the practice that we're trying to do to try to stave off a virus that's really affecting a lot of people's lives. But you cannot say it any different than that, is that we are social creatures, and we've been created to be social creatures. And whenever you isolate, bad things begin to happen in your mind, bad things begin to happen in your emotions, and you are not created to walk through life without other people. And so there's this real problems, problems there. So we've been talking about that, and I'll get into a little bit today in my message. But the other thing is, just like many restaurants and businesses, is how do we keep our doors open financially? And so one of the things that I just, the testimony I want to give you guys is, man, we've always said this to you. We've always tried to value this as a church family, that we're going to be a generous people, and we are a generous people. Um, this year, this last year, um, I think that our budget, I'm going off of memory, and I don't do my numbers well off the top of my head, um, and, and Joe's not here today, so I can't pull on him. But I think our budget last year was around $720,000. And, and, and in the midst of COVID, as we wrapped up our business uh, meeting and we got to the end of our fiscal year and all that stuff, our congregation had, had continued to be engaged in giving and over and above what we had budgeted. Actually, we had $65,000 over what we had anticipated being given this year in our church. Yeah, that's, that's a fantastic thing. And so I just wanted to, to tell you today that thank you for your giving. Thank you for continuing to support the church one of the things I just want to encourage you to do is just to, is to engage in giving. Um, we don't have to have um, this, this huge deficit that we've got to make up because of COVID, and that's a wonderful, wonderful testimony to share this morning. However, one of the values that we have is not only to be generous, but to focus worship in this house to be an act of, uh, of worship, focus giving to be an act of worship, because that's what it's supposed to be. As April was talking about being grateful, that's one of the things that God calls us to do is to be generous givers, to be people who exhibit 
the gratitude in our hearts through giving unto the Lord. And so today we're going to take up an offering. And I'm just really excited to get to say this to you. We're not taking up this offering because we've got to make up some big deficit. The reason I want to encourage you to give is we don't pass the plate or pass a bucket every single Sunday. I want to to show you how we give here at GTF. On a a week-to-week basis, we have offering boxes all throughout the church. And the reason that we do offering boxes is so that 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 can be something that's done between you and the Lord. We have online giving almost... Uh, I would say we're, we're, we're going over the halfway mark of most of our donors give online, give through, uh, through electronic means rather than, than dropping money in a bucket or, or in the boxes. And so I just want to encourage you and give you an opportunity to give this morning because it's an act of worship. And so if you, there's a bucket at the end of y'all's aisles, I think, if you'll find those and pass those across. And if you have an offering that you'd like to give to the Lord this morning, you're more than welcome to, to drop that in the bucket. If you don't have cash or check and you'd like to give electronically, there's, there's ways that you can do that on the screen. You can text give to 806-424-0082. And I would encourage that to be just a part of your, your daily rhythm in your relationship with God, much like you have a pri- prayer time and much like you have a time in God's word. And I would encourage you to do those things. I would encourage you to live a lifestyle of tithing and giving generously to God and his kingdom work. You know, just kind of talk a little bit about what we uh, were able to do with some of those excess funds. Uh, obviously, um, this year, uh, we, we've tried to have a live stream and offer that to people who can't be in service for years and years now. But this year, we really did sink some money into upgrading our cameras, our camera systems, and offering that online. So that obviously this year, we have to have that for a lot of people are still um, worshiping at home and trying to social distance for health purposes um, but we were able to do that, and so just again, thank you for that. Here's the, here's the, the, the next thing I want to do is just echo what April was saying about inviting you to come worship tonight. Um, she said I wasn't going to preach, and I don't know. I might. I, I just reserve the right. If the Lord says something, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say something. So, but no, it's, it really is. We don't, we don't set aside time for preaching a sermon. Um, we just set aside some time to just worship, and we're just going to worship the Lord. We've been in this series called So Good, and we're just trying to take this month to talk about the goodness of God and to really put that as a focal point in our hearts as we, as we head into Thanksgiving in the next couple of weeks and as, as everybody's had challenges this year, it's even more important now than ever to, to posture our hearts in such a way where we, where we express the goodness of God in our lives. And so that's going to be a powerful time tonight at 6 p.m. So if you have your Bibles, turn, the, turn in those this morning to Psalm chapter 23. We've been talking about the goodness of God in this series titled So Good. And, and I, it, I think that the thing that kind of is, is in my heart this morning as we kind of step into today's message is, is a reminder that no matter what difficulty you're going through in your life right now, it cannot. And that's, that's, that's in all caps in my heart right now. It cannot negate the goodness of God. God's goodness surpasses any difficulty that we as a world are going through right now, or you as an individual are going through right now. And so we've been talking about the goodness of God and how we need to express that. And, and a couple of weeks ago, we talked about how we need to magnify the Lord. And we really focused on King David's life. And we're going to look at his life again today and how he was in a moment, really the low, one of the lowest moments of his entire life. And he wrote this song in Psalm 34. It says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be on my mouth. And, and really this 
this example that King David set before us that as we begin to express our gratitude and magnify God in our life, it begins to shift the atmosphere. The atmosphere of our home, the atmosphere of the world around us, and the atmosphere especially in our heart. Last week we talked about spiritual hunger and we just looked at how Jesus is the one who generates hunger and he's the one who satisfies hunger. He said this in in John chapter 6 whenever he was talking about spiritual hunger. He said, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. If you are hungry for something more than this life, something more than the physical realm of which you are interacting with every single day, Jesus is the only one who can satisfy that hunger. So today what I want to do is I want to look at um, probably the most well-known passage in all of the Bible in Psalm 23. So let's just read that this morning. Psalm 23 was written by, again, King David. It says this in verse 1, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies, and you anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever." And we all know about the shepherd of Psalm 23. As you read Psalm 23, you kind of get a glimpse into what a shepherd does for his sheep, for his herd, right? A shepherd has two primary functions that he serves. The first one is he nurtures. As we're reading through there, one of the things that David said is, The Lord is my shepherd. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He takes me to places, in essence, where I am nurtured. He, he, he leads me beside still waters, places where I can be fed and watered, where my body becomes nourished and I'm strengthened. And in that place, he restores my strength. You know, one of the things that a shepherd does is he takes his flock to a protected environment to where they cannot think about predators. Sheep are pretty skittish animals. They, they, they tend to hide. Because they don't really have fangs and they don't have claws. They, don't, they aren't able to defend themselves, right? And so one of the things that a shepherd does is take them to a place where they can go and get nourished and restore their strength. Such a, such a wonderful call to worship this morning that Pastor Mercy gave us. Is that whenever you and I get into a place of weariness in our soul, we need to be restored. And that's what King David was acknowledging in God's role in his life, that God is his shepherd, and he's the only one that can restore your soul. Do you know that you need to nourish more than your body? You have to nourish more than your body. You've got to eat, and you've got to drink, and you've got to sleep. You need those things. Those are not options, amen? And everybody said, yes, it's almost lunchtime. You have to do those things to nourish your body, but listen, If you neglect your soul, it will cause big problems in your life. 
major problems in your life. As I said earlier, you are not created to go through life on your own. Your soul was formed in such a way that you need other people. You need interaction with your creator and you need interaction with other people. And as we've kind of gone through this social distancing spell, I mean, I know people that are still having to to worship from home. And listen, this is the thing that I want you to understand about the nourishment of your soul is not only do you need a shepherd, but you need a flock. It's something that's very important in your life. And if you do not have a tribe or a flock that you're running with and that you're gathering with, especially in the environment of church, that's what the church was created to be, is this is, your, this is supposed to be your social fabric where you can come and get plugged into a place of worship like we experienced just a second ago and have your soul restored. I don't know where you're, what, what frame of mind you're in, what your headspace was like whenever you came to, to, to church this morning, but I'll just tell you, I was not in a functionable place. I woke up this morning, I was like, man, I just, I, I kind of want to stay home and go to bed today. I had this fog going on in my mind and in my emotions that I was really trying hard. I was actually talking with Pastor Bo back in our dream team huddle, and he was like, you doing okay this morning? I was like, yeah, I'm going to get there. <laughs> And he's like, are you sure? I was like, yeah, I'll be ready. I'll be ready. And so I went to the bathroom right before worship started, and he saw me in the hall. He's like, are you okay? I was like, I'm going to be ready, man. And listen, my headspace just wasn't where it needed to be. I wish that I could tell you that I was on all the time, but I'm not. We all get to a place where we have to have our soul restored. Do you agree with that statement? Then listen, you need a shepherd and you need a flock. And in a moment whenever all over the world we're encouraging people to to isolate and to separate, it's even more important for you right now to say, I need gathering with other people. And listen, I know that there's people who are watching online with us today and you're worshiping from home, but listen, you can create community even in the place for this short moment where you gather together with distance. Whether that's online, you can drop some prayer requests in our comments or direct messages. Call somebody, FaceTime somebody. I know everybody is so sick of Zoom meetings, but listen, you've got to get in touch with other people. And if you're in a place in your health where you've got to isolate and you've got to separate, that's okay. But make it a priority to reach out to somebody else and begin to gather with them and let them know where you need help. Ask them where they need help. Listen, that's what a flock is supposed to do. You've got to make it a priority. And if you're in a place where you have to begin to social distance and you have to watch service online, that's fine. We've tried to very consistently from the very beginning of COVID say, hey, if that's what you've got to do, please do that. I don't want to discourage that at all, but you cannot disconnect from people. I know people who just because of health before COVID, they couldn't get out. They were shut-ins. And one of the things that shut-ins struggle with is reaching out to other people. After a while of isolating, you just get used to your four walls and doing you. And listen, you were not meant You are not created to live that way. You need a shepherd, but you also need a flock. A shepherd nurtures, but a shepherd also protects. You know, I'll just give you this real quick metaphor. I know a lot of you have probably heard this before, but a a shepherd carries a crook. You know, not a a burglar. A crook. (laughs) A staff. 
a staff, and you know the, the typical cartoon version of a staff is it had a little hook at the top, and that crook was used to not only guide the flock, but also to protect the flock. That's what the shepherd's job was to do. And I love these pictures that you kind of see, these, these uh, Victorian pictures of Jesus as a shepherd and the, the long flowy beard, and, and he's kind of, kind of he, he looks weak. But listen, shepherds were rough dudes. Still are. In the Middle East, there's still people who do shepherding the same way that it's always been done. And those guys are rough. Much like we would understand ranchers to be around here, it's like they're out in the elements all the time. They've got to fight off predators. They've got to herd, herd their flocks and all those things. And these guys were very resourceful and very strong and very determined to protect their sheep. That was their livelihood. Listen, your shepherd loves you so much. In Luke chapter 15, it says that he doesn't even want to lose one. And so he comes to protect his flock. You need a shepherd. So now here's the thing that I want you to see in Psalm 23 is everybody, we've all known the, the shepherd of Psalm 23. And as much as this is a psalm about the shepherd, it's also a psalm about the host. And so I want you to look at the host of Psalm 23. And, and there's this shift that happens as King David is singing about this metaphor of the Lord being his shepherd. He leads him beside quiet waters. He, he restores his soul, all those things. There's this shift that happens in verse 5 where David begins to talk about the Lord who is his host. It says in verse 5, let's read that again. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Listen, a shepherd protects and a shepherd nurtures. But this is a shift that happens, and he's no longer talking about sheep. You do not prepare a table for a flock. You prepare a table for a guest. You prepare a table for somebody who's now visiting your home, right? Right? And so I want you to get the, 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 the understanding of what David is doing is he's taking this metaphor to give you an understanding of the, the nature of God. He's just like a shepherd, but listen, you aren't a sheep, you're a person. And as God shepherds, a, as, a, as a shepherd shepherds a flock, God will nurture and protect us as he, as he hosts us in his home. Now this is really important. Because as you begin to, to look at this, there's, there's this unique thing about a host in biblical times. They were responsible for way more than hospitality. Being invited into someone's house didn't just convey hospitality, but protection as well. In David's day, to accept another as a guest at one's table was to set aside enmity and to assume responsibility for the safety of the guest while in your dwelling. It was your job to not just provide for their needs physically, but to protect them from any predator that's, that's chasing after them, any enemy that's pursuing them. Now, we read a couple of weeks ago, we read um, Psalm 34, and we, we talked about David at another time in his life, that lowest time, and how David was being pursued by King Saul. He went from this place of being champion of Israel because he killed Goliath, and it created, that one moment created enmity between him and the current king, and that current king began to pursue him to try to kill him. And as David was fleeing 
I didn't, we didn't talk about this a couple of weeks ago, but in 1 Samuel chapter 21, I'm not going to read it for you, but I'll just tell you the story, and I would encourage you to go back and read it later. In 1 Samuel chapter 21, this is whenever David is running away from Saul, and he's leaving his home, and he's got a couple buddies with him, and they're, they're leaving, and they stop at a priest's house. This priest was named Ahimelech, and he, he runs into his house, and if you could just get this picture of David, he is fleeing for his life. It's not this casual thing where he's going on a trip to Six Flags, right? He's running for his life, and so he barges into Ahimelech's home, this priest of God. He says, and, the, and Ahimelech gets a little concerned. He's like, what are you doing here? Are you here for peace? And he's like, yeah, 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 everything's fine, because he was running away. David was running away, and it was a secret. And so he's like, yeah, 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 everything's fine. I have these buddies with me, and we're pretty hungry. Could you have any food? And he said, well, I don't really have any food. All I have is the sacred bread. As long as your guys are consecrated, they can eat it. He's like, yeah, give us that. And they eat it. And he said, do you have any weapons? He's like, the only weapon that I have in this, in this whole place is Goliath's sword. The sword of the giant that you defeated. He's like, that'll do. Give it to me. And so here's the thing that happens that I want you to see is as David is running, he goes into the home of a man who provides him sanctuary for a moment. And in that place, he gets nourished and nurtured. And in that place, he's provided some protection. It's a beautiful picture of what God has done in your life and in my life. As a shepherd, he nurtures you. Not just your body, but also your soul. But his primary thing isn't just to provide hospitality for you, but protection as well. He prepares a table before you in the midst of your enemy. Listen, I want you to think about your life for just a second. Do you have any enemies pursuing you at the moment? I really do want you to begin to identify those things that are pursuing you. That you feel like you're on the run, that you can't get away. Maybe it's a bondage in your life. Maybe there's something that's going on in your workplace or in your family where it just seems like the enemy is attacking. Do you know what I'm talking about? God has come to prepare a table for you in the midst of that enemy. There's a promise at that table, and that promise is that God will take care of you in this moment, and he will protect you in this moment. There's a promise that God wants to release into your life as you begin to think about the enemies that are pursuing you. And as you begin to think about this, I, the only thing that I can, I can think of that can emotionally take me to that place whenever I'm having a hard time per, uh, putting my finger on the enemy that's around me is tag. Did y'all ever play tag? Remember you were a kid? You remember the feeling of what it felt like to get chased, literally chased, by somebody who was just that far away from you, and, and the consequences in tag weren't that great. But it still evokes this thing inside of you to run. Evokes this thing inside of us as kids where we wanted to chase. Now listen, as you kind of think about that, there's this reality in God's kingdom where he wants to protect you from the predator who is chasing you. Whenever you're at that moment, whenever your heart is just, it's racing and it's about to burst because things in your life are falling apart, God is the one who you can run to. And there was this thing that would happen whenever you would play tag, whenever you were a kid, you remember base? Not my favorite place. 
Y'all didn't play tag the way I did? Okay, I'm getting heads nodding. Okay, so whenever you were being chased, there was some, some reserved place that you can go and you could touch it and nobody could tag you while you were touching base, right? And for that brief moment, I don't know what the, the rules were in your, at your school, but at our school is like five seconds. You had to count to five, then you got to get off base and start playing again, right? But for those five seconds, you felt safe. I want to read verse five and six again. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. This is a place of safety. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. See, just like King David in 1 Samuel chapter 21, he's running for his life and he finds a sanctuary. He finds a place where he can go and he can be nourished and he can be protected for even if it's just a brief moment. And it's in those places in my life that I find that my soul is restored. Much like a sheep who is laying down beside a quiet river in green pastures. I need to dwell in the house of the Lord Listen, in a, in a day, in a year, okay, we'll call it the whole year, that religious freedoms have been challenged like no other time in our lives. I feel like that I need to verbally say this today. You need church. You need a gathering. Whether you're doing it online and you're having to intentionally engage with other people through electronic means or you're doing it here in person, you need this. Because there is a, a message that's going forth in the world right now that says, hey, this is just optional. You'll be okay if you don't do this right here for just a little while. And I'm just here to tell you, that's not what the Bible says. You need to dwell in the house of the Lord. And whenever you decide to dwell in the house of the Lord, you and your household come together and you're going to raise your family in the house of God, there's a blessing that's released in your life. It's nourishment and protection. The picture of verse 5 and 6, it just, I just see this exhausted person who's behaggered and they're just, they're just running and they just feel the enemy nipping at their heels and they run into this safe place, this base called the house of the Lord and in that place they find rest, protection, nourishment. And it's almost like as you read King David, he's singing this song. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. He begins to talk about in verse 6, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Two words I want you to see in this verse. Dwell and follow. It's almost like there's this stop in the road for David as he's singing this song, and he decides, rather than this just being a sanctuary moment, this being just a brief interaction with the house of God, he's going to begin to dwell there. Now, whenever you read that, that, that Hebrew word dwell, it means to abide, to remain. I hope that you're thinking of John chapter 15, whenever Jesus is, is talking to his disciples, and he's fixing to leave them, he's fixing to go to the cross, and he begins to encourage them, hey, if you want to keep this communion, abide in me. I am your sanctuary. I am your refuge. I am the place that you need to come to get the nourishment and the protection that your soul so desires and needs. 
See, whenever you read dwell here, there is this, this, this implication that David has decided to not just visit this house, he's now going to live there. See, I don't need to just go to church. I need to dwell in the house of the Lord. This is the place that I'm going to remain. And even whenever I go about my daily life, I am going to do it in Jesus. Amen? You and I need to have this relationship and this communion with the Father that's provided to us through Jesus Christ to where we don't leave. There's no five-second rule for you. You don't have to get off base. You can dwell in God in such a way, like Psalm 91 says, that he casts the shadow of his wing over you and protects you to the point where you don't have to fear anything. But look at the word follow. Because this is the twist in this whole psalm. Is here is this hunted man who's running from his enemy and he runs into the house of the Lord. He loves it so much he says, I'm going to dwell here forever. And he makes this statement. Surely your goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. I don't know what you think about whenever you think about follow, but if you had a little two-year-old, you know what it means to be followed around all the time to the point where it's going to drive you crazy. You're like, just go sit down somewhere. That's not what this verse means. That's not what that word means in the Hebrew. This word in the Hebrew, follow, means to chase, literally. So exactly what this this, this man was running from in his enemy and his enemy was pursuing him to, to do him harm, he has found now that he's in the house of the Lord that God wants to now pursue him as well to do him good. As much as the enemy wants to chase you down and hurt you, God wants to chase you down and bless you. God wants to do something in your life to show the goodness. As we've been talking about throughout this whole series, God is so good and he wants to prove it to you. You and I do not deserve it. There's nothing that we can do to get to the place where we deserve it. But we only experience it in the place of God's grace. And in God's grace, we realize that he has goodness upon goodness upon goodness that he wants to pour out over your life and over mine. I don't know what the difficulty is that you're going through right now, but it cannot negate this truth. God wants to chase you down and bless you in such a way that you are in awe. You're in awe of who he is and, and what he's all about and how good he can possibly be. As I was thinking about that this week, I just had this, this prayer that just began to kind of stir in, in, in my heart. And, and I just begin to pray this for me, and I want to pray it for us today, is we get, we've got to get to this place in light of this truth where we shake off self-reliance and pessimism. I, I find myself so many times thinking about the worst-case scenario. Do you? About how things can just go bad. And whenever something just small just kind of goes wrong, it's like, well, it's just going to get worse. Listen, what David tapped into in Psalm 23 was the realization that God is a better shepherd than anything that we've ever seen in this world. He nurtures us and he protects us. And then if we really dwell in him, then we can find this place where his, where his goodness will never cease. 
I want to get to this place where that's the first thing that I begin to believe and begin to meditate on is the goodness of God. And whenever something bad happens in my life, to go, well, how, God, are you going to turn, turn this around? Because the reality of his kingdom is that he works all things together for good for those that love him and are called according to his purpose. See, God is, he is eager to pour his goodness out on you and I. That doesn't mean that bad things don't happen. It doesn't mean that we don't live in a fallen world. It doesn't mean that I don't make bad decisions and have to reap the consequences. Regardless of whatever difficulty I'm going through right now, it does not negate the goodness of God. And so if you're struggling with something bad, God's ready to do something good. He's ready to pour something good out on every single person in this room. And I don't know about you, but I want to lay hold of it. If you would stand with me this morning. We're going to take communion. If you need some communion elements, if you'll just raise your hand. We have some ushers. Be glad to provide those for you. As you get your elements ready, I just want to encourage you as we step into this moment. God has set a good table for you this morning. Right in the presence of your enemy. And I want to pray that that you and I would become, right now, people who shake off self-reliance. You need a shepherd. I need a shepherd. We need each other as a church family. But not only shaking off self-reliance, but also shaking off this pessimistic view of life that all the goodness happens to everybody else and never to me. I'm going to ask you to just bow your head and close your eyes. And if you're here today and, and, and you know that God is calling you to shake off self-reliance or pessimism. I want to ask you to just raise your hand. Just acknowledge that to Him. Nobody's keeping score. Nobody's looking around. Nobody's judging. There's no rocks to be thrown. If you're here and you know that God is dealing with you to lay that down, just raise your hand. And we're at this table that God has prepared for us as we take this communion. And I'm praying, God, right now for every single person who's here today, who's watching online, every single person who's raised their hand, God, I pray that you would allow them to taste your goodness, that you would move our hearts in a place, God, that begins to to, to repent and to turn away from a pessimistic view of life and begins to look for the goodness of God, that begins to anticipate the goodness of God. Lord, I just, I just repent, Father, for where I have and where we as a church sometimes, we get isolated. Lord, pull us out of our corners and pull us into relationship, pull us into community. We ask that in Jesus' name today. Amen.